tuned in to Higher Frequency. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Higher Frequency Podcast. I'm Robert Vincent, as always, joined by my host, Davis Wood. What's up? And our special guest today, Basil Kubala. <laughs> Did I say it right? Koloba. Koloba? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good pronounce. All right. All right. Yeah. It's all right. As long as you say the K. Yeah. Do, do people not say the K? They just like. Well, it's kind of. How do you just assume that, the oh, K is silent? Over over a period Kubala. of time, as long as I hear a K, I'm just like, all right, they're probably trying to say my last name. <laughs> so I give up after a while. All right, man. Uh, brought you in here today to talk mainly about um, just stuff that's going on. But I want to get started with your company, Inertia. Can you tell us a little bit about that and what you do, and you know how you got started with with um, with that whole helping lower income ed- kids find education in these STEM. In these STEM fields, because I feel like that's something that our society is really lacking on. Yeah. And Davis does too. We've t- actually talked about this on our podcast before. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, our societies, or the USA in particular, mm-hmm. uh, like our education system. Yeah. So talk about inertia, and then more broadly the education system as okay. a whole. Yeah. So I started inertia. I'm a co-founder. There's three of us: myself, Carson Wilbur, and also Marcus Jackson. We started at UWF, we're all UWF students, we're all um, STEM majors. And the reason we started it was because we were just kind of talking one day as you guys talk, I'm sure, about the education system and just how it could be a whole lot better. Me personally, growing up, I didn't do very well learning, specifically math and science. I was actually really bad at it. I almost failed my fifth grade math class. But I had a teacher in sixth grade who was really interactive and he was one of the teachers I like for history class. He acted out, you know, the Battle of Yorktown, that type of stuff. And my grades skyrocketed that year. So we thought maybe some of these kids aren't necessarily failing math because they're bad at it, but it's just being presented to them in a way that's not, you know, good for them. Yeah, no one likes school. Right. (laughs) People don't like school. And actually, some of the comments we get from the kids, there was one day Carson was teaching, and he asked the kid, how's class? And the kid was like, class is boring, but this is fun. But he was literally learning the same exact thing. And it's just the way it's being presented to him. Right. We do hands-on work with them. Um, so whenever they learn about chemistry, we work with their science teachers and math teachers. So if they're learning about chemistry, you know, at like 1 o'clock, we're going to do a chemistry hands-on workshop with them at, you know, 2.30 after school. What's something that you guys do that makes the presentation different so from normal? Rather than just telling them about bases and acids and reactions, we'll tell them what bases and action, what acids and reactions are. But then we'll show it to them. So we'll use Diet Coke and Mentos. Oh, okay. We use baking soda and vinegar. So they, they start assigning this you know, this term with something fun that they saw as well. It's right. easier to remember. It's like you got a fun teacher in the classroom every day. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Fun teachers always make it better. Exactly. You know? They always uh, make something stick. Even like songs. Like I, I hate I hated math too. I never like I did all I could to avoid calculus. Yeah. Still haven't taken calculus <laughs> to this day because my major didn't require it, you know? But uh, I had this teacher in like Algebra 2 who had a song about the quadratic formula, and I still uh-huh. remember that shit to this day. Exactly. I'm like, I don't need to know the quadratic formula, but it's still up there. <laughs> See, that was my thing with science growing up, and also math, is just no one ever really was able to present it to me in a way that really oh, like spoke to me. Right. After a while, I got to catch on with science. I think it took one teacher to really explain science to me and just kind of taught me how to look at it in a different angle. But math was always the subject where... You know, you put me down in a classroom and 
it's you have me take notes it's not going to stick exactly with me. i need some kind of exercise to really get me going and also like with that i just became unmotivated so i never really tried looking for ways to make myself better at math yeah. so it was always math has always been a consistent struggle once i got science down it felt a lot better but yeah it was math it was always the big thing for me i hear you and i also think we're losing a lot of great talent by the underserved communities not really getting the access to the, to these types of programs specifically because engineering any engineer will tell you the the basis of all engineering science mathematics whether you're a doctor whether you're an engineer is problem solving and our belief is who's the better problem solver someone who's had an easy life or someone's had a difficult life so you know some of these kids are really clever if you get to know them you know and it's just the situations they've been born into so one day they might get home and the lights aren't on they got to figure out some way to get power so they can do their homework like shit i ain't got no candles neither (laughs) (laughs) exactly there's all types of things that they struggle with on a day-to-day basis and some of the best engineering students that i know at uwf do happen to come from low-income neighborhoods. That's why I think a lot of our best engineers come from countries like India, Africa, where they had problem solving to fate to do every single day. Yeah, we just we've just grown up in this cookie cutter education system where yeah. where the states, you know, pushing you to be, you know, you have to learn this this way, and that's that's why I wanted to ask you about just education as a whole because mm-hmm. I f- I feel like education shouldn't be mandated by the federal government. Definitely, but I, I think things should be more privatized to where you can learn, you know, if, if you want to specialize in something uh, like international studies, you should be able to be doing that from a very young age, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it is good. Well, first, I would say that it's important to, to distinguish that education and school aren't the same thing. So even the idea that you had to go to school to get the education is really like a new thing. In the right. past, like, 100, 150 years. So, like, if we look at our founding fathers, some of them didn't even go past seventh grade. But you can't say that they weren't educated individuals, you know? Right. So, as far as the education system we have right now, I think that's one of the first problems that we have is that education and school are equated with each other. Um, you can learn a lot by not being in the classroom. But that especially said, now. Yeah, right. especially yeah, right? now. You know, I'm running a business, and I've never taken a business class in my entire life. Right. Because it's all on Google. Because you, you get just, you have an entrepreneurial spirit, right. you know? That's why I've always been a big fan of internships, too, mm-hmm. is because, you know, in the four years that I was – five years, actually, I was at UWF, and in the communications department, and being in radio, I learned more about my job and what it is I wanted to do just by taking a semester's worth of an internship Yeah. over the five years I was at UWF because – one, they didn't really offer the classes that I wanted to take. They, it was just kind of very general, you know, like you learn basic communications. And then there was a radio production class, and that's where I learned some of the very basics. But that was it. Mm-hmm. After you move on from radio production, you move on to another class never once where you get involved with radio again. And that's a, that, that's a bummer because what if you really – I really wanted to go into radio, and it was through trying to get an internship was where I really gained the bulk of my education – and really gave me the purpose of, showed me the purpose of why it is I'm in college. Yeah. But I accomplished everything I really wanted to accomplish just in that semester, it felt like. Right. So I felt like the hands-on aspect of, you know, actually getting involved in the field that I wanted to go into was my education. Mm-hmm. School, go, school kind of just monotonizes your dreams, you know? Just makes them just boring, yeah, you know? It, it can. It I think can. school is good for figuring out what you want to do. But yes. once you figure out what you want to do, like, you just got to go out there and do it. Right. The school really, I mean, even for me, my computer science classes, 
I've taken all these classes, but I've learned more from my internships than mm-hmm. I have com- I've ever learned in class. What do you think about a more uh, online based uh, schooling as far as like as far as like homeschool being able to homeschool your like if you had a kid, you say I want to homeschool my kid and teach them, you know what I want to teach them, maybe I want to teach them more of a libertarian curriculum, or maybe I want to mm-hmm. teach them more of a business savvy curriculum, you know, do you think uh, you should be able to do that as a parent uh, and not be, not be, ha- not have the state come down on you and say, hey, um, your kid's not going to a public school or a private school that is, you know, monitored by us. And they're not learning what we need them to learn, you know? Yeah, I'm 100% for private schools and homeschooling. I actually went to a private school my entire life. And it was a conservative private school, and that's what my parents wanted me to go to. And But you know, raising a child is all about, like, the parents. And it should be all about the parents. You should be able to raise your child the way you want them to be so they become the person you want them to be in the future. So if that means educating them at home, and whether it's a Christian-based program or whether it's a libertarian program, or even if it's a liberal program, like that should be at the discretion of the parents, not legislators in you know and I Tallahassee agree. Yeah. or even in D.C. Another thing to me, uh, sorry, but it's it's kind of like if we go that route, you have a bunch of people with a bunch of different uh, education backgrounds instead of this same education background where we're learning stuff that you know is kind of outdated. A lot of the stuff we learned in elementary school, like uh, like about Egypt and the tombs. Like yeah. that, like there are a lot of alternate um, theories about what the pyramids actually are, and we just learned the most basic understanding of it. It's like why even waste time on telling us something that's not true? Um, I don't know that it's wasted time. I think it was the best knowledge that we had at the time we were learning it, and that type of learning about those types of things, like the pyramids or you know these old empires, also. It helps creativity in kids' minds too, because you have to start imagining things, and it just activates a different part of the brain. Okay. Uh, one thing I, I like you, uh, preschool through eighth grade, I went to a private school mm-hmm. down at St. Petersburg, and you do get more of a you get more of an educational opportunity because class sizes were much smaller. I think the largest class I had was eighteen people yeah. in one class, and that was the one fifth grade class you know then you then you move on to sixth grade you know there's not multiple fifth grade classes it's you and 17 other people and my graduating eighth grade class was 15 people so the opportunity to get a more inclusive education was there for me but then it was when i went to gulf breeze high school which is still a pretty good high school in its own right yeah. you be at first it was a very big wake-up call but you end up one thing i learned is that i feel like the public education system is very broad in the last 100 years i feel like it hasn't really changed much other than you know there are honors classes there are Mm -hmm. ap classes you do get opportunities to dual enroll and take college uh, credit courses which can diversify i guess the education that you're getting in the public school but at the same time it's very general and then i one thing i don't like is not every student is meant to you know necessarily study math or not every college student is – or not every high school student is going to like reading. Although I think it's – you need to know your basic reading. You also need to know your basic math skills because I think those skills do apply to life. But it's when you get the extensive stuff like you know solving formulas. I'm never in my life going to solve this kind of formula. But is it more you know just simply knowing problem-solving skills or 
is there is there a method behind that? Like, kind of, what's your theory behind the education system? Today? I think it's all important to a degree. Like, you should know basic math that way. I mean, like, yeah, standard math that you can keep your bank account above negative. You know, right? Like if I have two hundred dollars in my account, I probably shouldn't spend three hundred dollars. Now, some people know that and still do it. But at least you know, hey, like I'm not supposed to do that. That's but the society the, we live yeah, in today. That's, that's just like, like that's I got a, a credit card. Issue. <laughs> but I will say, I will say on that on that like banking note, like Washington High School is a good example where just the other day they opened up a, a bank at the school, really? but to teach their students about money management, about <laughs> opening a bank account. Like they're cool. freshmen in high school now. That, you know, I didn't open my first bank account probably till my sophomore year of high school, but freshmen in high school now having the opportunities to open a bank account and also start building credit. Yeah. And it teaches them this stuff early. I didn't start building credit until my junior year of college, really. Right. And that's right. way too late. Right. I think that's way too late. These kids are going to be like, but I just bought three chili fiesta sticks. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> yeah. I do think that, back to what you're saying on problem solving, that it's really beneficial for kids to learn mathematics because of the problem solving aspect of it. And even me personally, for my computer science degree, I don't know that I'll ever use a computer science degree the way that like most people think it would be used and that like I'm going to get a job as a programmer, you know, at Google like some whatever, cyber security or cybersecurity. Yeah. I more look at it as I'll take what I learned about problem solving and how to take a big problem, take it down into a series of steps to get to a solution and use that in different areas of my life. So that's what I'm doing with inertia right now. There's a problem and I still have the picture of the board and I can send it to you guys too. the board that my friends and I developed the strategy for this and it was really just the engineer's process to problem solving so you can do that with education you can do that in medicine you can do that in government all types of things and i think that if we did have more uh, like computational thinking in government or in business i think everything would be better for it so uh, back kind of getting back to inertia and what it is that you guys do mm -hmm. uh, what um do y'all work with local schools and uh, the schools that you do work if you do work for certain schools like what exactly is your role with the students like how do, do you like address the entire class or just certain students that sign up for y'all's help like how does it work what's so the process it, it is completely voluntary so it's up to the parents if they want their child to be a part of it right now we're working at two schools Ensley and Oakcrest which are both in low-income areas mm -hmm. and um, it's mostly the the principals and the vice principals who kind of decide who they want us to work with. So they break their students up into you know, your high-performing students, your low-performing students, and then they have their bubble students. And the bubble students are the, the ones who are identified that if they have a little bit extra help, they'll probably get into that high-performing category. And from my conversations with them, that's, those are the students we work with the majority of the time. Um, we are that extra little bit of help that they think is going to push them into the high-performing category. That's good. Yeah. You feel like uh, you feel like you're missing out on um, you know, opportunities with uh, those low-performing students? I would like to see them incorporated as well. Yeah. Um, you know, if you try to do everything, you end up doing nothing. Mm -hmm. But this is a good start as we're just kind of figuring but out. But those are the kind of kids that would probably take, like, the Coke and Mentos and just, like, grab it and be, like, spraying everybody right. with it. Like, ah! <laughs> possibly, possibly. Those are the comedians. Yeah. Now, like, with your program, do you tend to adjust it depending on the student that you're working with, or is it typically a generalized program that you try to apply to the students that are in the bubble? So it is, do you mean specific students or like between different students? Yeah, like let's say maybe there's a student that you're working with that maybe still isn't catching on. Like mm -hmm. do you try to adjust according to the student or is it 
you know, fairly generalized uh, curriculum? Like how, like what, like how would y'all like work So the, the curriculum is picked by the, the, uh, the principals and the, the teachers at the school. So at Ensley, the curriculum we're doing there is different than the curriculum we're doing at Oakcrest. Okay. So we asked the, the professor, not the professors, the principals where specifically their students are struggling. So at Oakcrest, they're struggling in math and at Ensley, they're struggling in chemistry. So we're doing two totally different projects and programs at those schools. Um, it's targeted to help them where they're struggling rather than just a cookie cutter, hey, this is what we're going to do today, whether you like it or not. This is elementary school? Yeah. They're doing chemistry in elementary now? Mm-hmm. It's really basic oh, chemistry, okay. but it is chemistry, yeah. Man, yeah, I used to. I hated chemistry. We yeah, did like the like small things when I, was in, when I did my uh, elementary school chemistry. It was, more, it was just more science, like, right? It was just science class, but we do like basic experiments, you know, like work with. Um, I, we did the Mentos challenge. I remember yeah. doing yeah. that. That was fun. I remember my my friend Troy and I going into a chemistry test in high school, and we were like, oh, shit, there's a test. We didn't study for it. And I was like, what are you going to do? He was like, I'm about to pray. <laughs> he made a 96. I made like a 50 or something. I was like, oh, I was like, how did you do that? He was like, I just prayed, I prayed. real hard. <laughs> should have prayed. I was like, you can't pray your way to an A+. Plus. Stupid. Yeah. And we try to really help the kids. We have volunteers who come in as well. Um, and we have three specific goals that we have. We want to combat juvenile detention rates, and that's why we do it after school. So 86% of juvenile crime happens between the hours of 2.30 and 4. And I think mm-hmm. you're a criminal justice major, so you know that. Right. Um, and that's why we specifically do it after school. And then yeah. we also try to create some mentorship opportunities there. So a lot of the time the students can relate to one of the volunteers that we have that's also in college. So one of my friends, her name's Yasmin, Yasmin Hernandez, yeah. you mm-hmm. might know her. So one of the girls there spoke Spanish, and Yasmin you know, befriended her because Yasmin speaks, uh, she's from Puerto Rico, so she speaks Spanish fluently, and built a relationship there. The girl's name was also Yasmin. Nice. So now she's able oh, to yeah. talk to her and be like, hey, like I'm studying this in school. I'm an 85. This is why college was fun to me. Maybe you'd want to be in college too one day. Yeah, it's very important to keep, uh, like, high-risk, like, youth after school, get them involved in different things. Right now, I'm, I'm volunteering my time coaching freshman football yeah. uh, for my old high school, the safeties and DBs, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of fun just working with kids like that, and uh, you can tell that some of them don't have, like, these kids are like, I need a ride to practice, and all the coaches are willing to, you know, to go that extra, to give, mile, go yeah. that extra mile, give them a ride, and... You know, some, that's what some of these kids, kids need. And, uh, you know, especially with education where you're not – where the kids aren't as willing to sit there and want to learn if they have a rough life at home. Mm-hmm. But um, that's, that's great. And uh, whenever I read your bio, I was like, yeah, that's, that's awesome that you started that. Um, what, what made you want to actually do that, you know? Like, when, when did the idea come to fruition? I see there's a lot of SGA guys in there with you, too. Yeah. It was like uh, an SGA idea, kind of. No, it was it was really just me, Carson, Marcus, and at the time, Daniel Robar. Okay. Who's since moved on. He lives in Minnesota now. We were all just having the same kind of discussions about the education system, that we didn't like what was happening in, in some of these communities. And Daniel had a robotics team that he had at Oakcrest. And since he okay. knew he was moving away, he was like, hey, would you be willing to take over it? So we were like, sure, we'll take over it. 
and I can't remember who it was, but somebody asked me, like, why are you only doing one robotics club at one school? And I was like, well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, he said, why don't you go to all the schools and do more stuff? And I was like, why not? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so I went back, talked to the rest of the guys, and they were like, yeah, let's do it. See, I would have been like, why don't you go to the other schools and start a robotics club? It's like, yeah. damn. That's a lot of work, bro. I w- it is a lot of work. Yep. But it's fulfilling work. All right. So, how did you get tied in with the with the schools that you're working with now? Because I mean, I know actually I'm very familiar with Oak Crest. Like this is mm-hmm. a school that when I was in high school I volunteered at um, with my key club, yeah. my community service club. So that was one of the schools we went to. And I'd never been to Inslee, so I'm a little unfamiliar with that. But one another school I've been to, um, and really wanted to try and get more involved with was Warrington Elementary. Mm-hmm over there off Navy Boulevard, yeah. and that's for a long time been a D-rated school, and they're really trying, I know Escambia County brought in a, a company from New York to try and improve testing scores over there. Is that a, Have you reached out to a school like Warrington to offer their services, and if so, have they responded at all? Like was, So initially, we started off with two schools just because we didn't quite know what we were doing Okay. Yet. But now that we've been doing this for about a year and a half, now we've, we've learned what the process is, and we've learned that we can expand. Okay. And as we get there, like we'll start reaching out to those schools. Good. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. All right, um, so since you're a techie guy, I thought we would jump in with some lighthearted stuff. What is your favorite techie movie or like TV series, something that you're really enjoying, like currently, yeah. or, or of all time? It could be anything. Um... I really do like um, Silicon Valley. If you watch that, I love such Silicon a great Valley. show. Yeah, yeah. show. show is so funny. That's <laughs> hilarious. And I think a lot of the stuff in there, the funny parts are actually true. Like especially if you're a programmer. Some of the, I remember one scene where um, I forget what's the main character's name. I haven't watched the season yet. I that I forgot the main character's name. It's been off like. I it's watched the last season so fast too, and it's been yeah. off for a while. So he's arguing with that girl he's dating uh-huh. from Facebook, and they argue about whether you should use tabs or spaces, and like storm out as a programmer. Like that's hilarious. If you <laughs> figure out somebody uses tabs and you use spaces, like that'll start a fight. Really? <laughs> waiting to happen. Yeah. That's kind of funny. Yeah. Like, would you? Would you get? What do you use? I'm, I'm tabs. Your tabs? Absolutely tabs. Like that's specifically for programming or yeah, what, so like everyday typing too. No, just in programming. Okay. Like to align your stuff, I yeah. use tabs. Yeah. Yeah. Like even the girl, she said Vim over Emacs. Like I completely agreed with the girl. Like I use Vim and tabs. He uses Emacs and spaces. She just speaks to you on another level. Yeah. See, yeah, I'm not, I'm not that tech savvy, so <laughs> yeah. I guess I wouldn't be like. Basically, yeah, I'm saying I would have dated her. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I, some shit bothers me whenever girls do it, though. Like, <laughs> like when they laugh at their own shit and it's not funny. Oh, my God. It's like, I shouldn't have worn flip-flops today. <laughs> like, that's not funny. Why are you laughing? <laughs> Why are you laughing at all? All right. What about, what about, actually, okay, okay me, because I already know what you're going to say. What, uh, Black Mirror? Yeah, the Black Mirror. I've oh, seen Black, Black Mirror. Mirror. I have not seen Black Mirror, but I've been told by a lot of people to watch it. Oh, uh, you should watch it. Yeah. Now, let's see. Black Mirror is crazy just because some of the shit is actually happening. Like, like I wanted to use this as a segue. Their episode about, they have an episode where you basically rate people on individual uh like mm, interactions like a, score like a social score yeah and now china is implementing a a social credit score 
and it's been implemented since 2014 and they say it'll be nationwide they're all their 1.4 billion people will really? be will be scored by 2022 and it the government can keep you from buying airline tickets um, which is a major deal, and you know people got mad about like the t- like the terrorist watch list mm-hmm. uh, about the airline here. Just think about just everyday citizens just like making uh, making purchases like too too much alcohol. Your score is gonna go down. Yeah, and it's controlled by one one entity. You know, yeah. especially if somebody just doesn't like you. Right. So they just keep putting your score down. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. Black Mirror turned a lot of people off because the first episode, the very first one. Uh, they had the uh, prime minister of uh, the UK. Um, they made him. They made him fuck a pig, basically. Oh my god. Yeah. What? Yeah. You haven't seen that one? No. Yeah. No. They were like. I've heard about. I it. never. They're yeah. like, this person dies, or, uh, or this person dies unless you have sex oh, yeah, with they this made pig. Him, like, do it on camera or whatever. Yeah, they made him do it on camera too. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. Sorry. If you're if you're one of the seven listeners out there who, who hasn't seen Black Mary yet, <laughs> that's fine. I see. I never really got to. I, I see. I, again, I only watched it sparingly whenever my cousin was watching it. But I did watch the Rate episode, which is crazy because I mentioned that even though it, I don't think I hope something like that doesn't happen in the United States because I feel like that's just nerve wracking. But I. I it's so it's kind of realistic in a way. No, all their shit's realistic. Besides, it's like it's like you think about it. It's kind of realistic. I'm saying don't get turned off by the first episode. Don't get turned on either. By the way, that's weird. But hey. um, a lot of their shit is real, real. Uh, just it hits close to home because it's like I could see this shit happening. There's another one. It's my favorite episode on there, where they have uh, all the bees have like died off. So they made like these little tiny uh robot bees mm-hmm. that um that pollinate everything and someone hacked the bees they were able to hack the bees and uh basically on twitter whoever was like like this brett kavanaugh situation like that's yeah. th- they were saying like hashtag kill brett kavanaugh and the person who would have the most like kill so and so that week they would die and they were like trying to figure out why Someone hacked really? the bees to where they were digging inside the person's brain and, like, making them commit suicide oh, or making them, yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. That's crazy. Damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's another thing. So we'll talk about the Kavanaugh situation since we were already talking about that before the podcast. It's uh, it's kind of one of these things where, like, our society is getting to where you're guilty until proven innocent now. And that's one of those things we have to look out for. And one thing I'm I, no- I feel we I just, I just feel like one thing I'm noticing is that if someone already gets it into their head that you're guilty, even if you are proven innocent, to in their mind you're still guilty. Yeah. Um. One, I, a friend of mine, you know, we're friends, and I, I'm friends with you know people who are all over the spectrum. Um. What doesn't matter their political party, but this one's a person that's you know very left leaning, very liberal. And they're they're definitely a feminist. Um. And you know, again, that's all good. That's all fine, well, and dandy. But the message she was putting out is, stop Kavanaugh, stop Kavanaugh. Like, this guy is a rapist. But I take complete exception to that because I want to say, no, he's not. But at the same time, really, what I want to say is, let's let the courts do its job. Let's let the process happen. Let's have due process like we normally would have. But like what you were saying, it seems more and more like it's a, you are guilty until until proven innocent now. But... To some people, you're guilty no matter what. Right. And if this guy did it, 
he shouldn't be. But first of all, he shouldn't even be a DC district court judge like you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and he definitely shouldn't get the Supreme Court nomination, and he should be looked at as a criminal. But they haven't really found too many people to corroborate her accusations. Yeah, you know, it it's kind of one of those things where like it happened in 1982, and you're bringing it up now. It seems awfully partisan. You know, it's right. kind of one of those things. Uh, that's I think that's just the way I feel about it. It's a bit. Con- I didn't catch her her testimony today. I didn't either. But yeah. from his side of it, like I just didn't see anything that proved that he did it. But like as you guys are saying, it just it seems like that's not what matters anymore. It's almost as if he has to prove that he didn't do it. We're in teams. It's just the yeah, country's in teams. teams right yeah, now. They're in teams right now, and, and whatever helps someone, your team. I intentionally like didn't watch any news about it, so I didn't end up on a team. Because no matter what, if you keep watching news, you're gonna end up creating your own story about what really happened. Right. Right. And it's just so hard to watch any type of news format now. Yeah, because like one thing that okay, so one thing in my radio, the radio station that I work at, we have these four TVs, and on the, uh, in in our in our news radio studio, so on the far uh, right TVs, the top TV is always on Fox News because we are a Fox News affiliate. Mm-hmm. The bottom TV is always on ABC because we also uh, are partners with Channel Three News. Mm-hmm. So, on top was Fox News, on the bottom is ABC News, both carrying the coverage live. And it was it was great. It was not great. It was, it was just funny how you look at Fox News and whenever Kavanaugh is talking, they're basically using captions that show the good side of Kavanaugh. Yeah. But then ABC, they're actually they actually are decent about staying fairly neutral when it comes to how they report the, yeah. this kind of story. But it was very neutral on their part. But then you look up at Fox News where it's they're painting that picture for Kavanaugh like. Yeah. This guy right here is innocent. So if you're watching Fox News, you're you should be a supporter. And it's, odds are you're a supporter of Fox News to begin yeah. with. It's you're a, not a CNN watcher no. watching Fox News. No, it's amazing to watch CNN and Fox back to back because then you have a negative spin and a positive spin on the Kavanaugh situation, or you know, depending on whatever situation it is, you have it. They're reporting the same thing. Yeah. They're not reporting the story. They're reporting. Their, their side of story, their view on yeah. the story. Right. I actually watched it when I was watching it. I decided I looked for C-SPAN because I know C-SPAN doesn't put like the captions and stuff. Right, on they it. just have the yeah, shit they just, just have the, the video. The video. Yeah. So I couldn't get, I couldn't really get skewed by anything but what he was saying. Mm-hmm. But I will say, like again, coming from a broadcasting you know uh, company, you do want to appeal to a certain listener group right. because that's how you gain a lot of listeners. You know, you'd much rather have. You know, a hundred million Republicans watching you, rather than uh, you know a skewed amount because you're gonna if every station was skewed, then you're gonna have a very you know diverse audience you know spread all around. But if let's say you appealed to Republicans, you could and you're the number one Republican station, mm-hmm. you have a lot of Republicans watching you, which means your viewership's up. Same with NBC, which tends to lean more you know Democrat. You're gonna have a lot more Democrats want to watch NBC more than they're gonna want to watch Fox News, obviously. That's true, yeah. So. It allows you to like kind of have a safe haven in a way, a home you can run to. Safe space. Safe yeah, for space, real, yeah. though. and that's I mean, I know t- Republicans typically are the ones who make fun of the safe spaces more, but let's be honest. I think they're the ones who are probably more you know, indulged into their safe spaces. They just, like, I think they tend to call out the other side more. And I try my best to stay as neutral as I possibly can. Yeah. I think both sides are guilty. But, oh, yeah, I, I would guilty. agree that both sides are definitely guilty. And I guilty. don't really blame the news media. I think a lot of people blame the news media right. for 
the issues in the country, but the news media is just putting out what people want to watch. Right. So if you weren't watching it, they wouldn't be people saying People would it. just watch garbage. It's just yeah. But like you were saying, C-SPAN, it, it gives you the direct line. And, and don't you just love when, like, shit pops off on C-SPAN? Because you're like, oh, <laughs> shit. Like, it's like, it's like the, the most money. Like, like, all the old people in the nursing home stand up like, oh, my God. And yeah. she just said something. <laughs> Jeez, like, this dude just called in. and He's like, you know, jet fuel can't melt steel, steel or steel buildings. Steel and, beams, then, yeah. and, and then they're like, hang up, hang up, hang up. I do want to point this out. I'm a sports guy, really. Like, I, I if I can talk sports all day, I always will. Absolutely. But it's always like I'm sur- working at news radio where we are you know, a Fox News affiliate. You're more surround. I'm surrounded by politics all the time, especially local politics. Mm-hmm. Like local politics, I've actually gotten. Pretty deep in, which is kind of crazy. Local politics is kind of local politics, like yeah, the mayoral race. I can tell you everything about it. It's I, two years ago though. Who the hell is Grover Robinson and Brian <laughs> Spencer? But yeah. uh, like when I go home, I I love watching like Netflix shows like this new show we were talking about earlier, Paradise PD, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. Made, it is an animated show. Like it's pretty inappropriate in nature. It's not something I'd want to show my eight-year-old cousin. But it's something that's almost refreshing to watch because I feel like, you know, in our super sensitive culture, very, you gotta really be careful what it is that you're listening to, watching, who you're around. It's like a nice escape to watch something that is so inappropriate. It's, it's just like, man, like, this is, this is refreshing. It's almost refreshing. I was, I forgot if you were, if you like, if you were into sports and stuff, but then I remembered. We were having a huge debate over if Tom Brady was like the best quarterback of all time in China. That's not a debate. He's undoubtedly the best quarterback of all time. He's just got. <laughs> He's a gr- yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't. I, I don't want to get off on this track. Yeah, I really don't. I, 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 I was about to like get discuss. into this. But I really you're right. Don't, I forgot. We'll save that. We can save that conversation if we want. I'll, I'll do us all a favor though. I'm quietly, <laughs> quietly sneak over here. Okay. <laughs> no, but, but I guess getting back on track with the like you know the Brett Kavanaugh and Christine Blasey Ford hearing today, I got an opportunity. You said you didn't get a chance to hear Christine like Christine Ford. Like I had an opportunity to listen to her whole opening statement, and I tried to make it a point to make sure I heard at least the opening statements. And of course, yeah. I'll, I'll try and get back to the questions if I can. But this was an all day thing. One thing about Christine was uh, she you know very you know she was emotional as well. Mm-hmm. Hers was way shorter than Brett Kavanaugh's, and you know she you know, she told her side you know she expl- she tried her best to explain the night of the incident uh she was honest when she said that you know there are certain things i just simply cannot recollect there are certain things i don't want to be possibly dishonest on in fact i actually thought i said something wrong earlier so i want to quickly correct myself and yeah. so she was she spoke slowly you could tell she used a lot of thought when she was speaking and then you take it to brett kavanaugh who you know he was definitely on the defense for sure because it's been kind of an endless attack on him ever since he got the nomination from President Trump. It was just kind of one thing after another. And his big thing was looking at the panel in front of him and basically saying, you have successfully, like, basically ruined mine right. and my family's life. Yeah. And so he, it was really interesting kind of hearing both sides of one person, you know, just, you know, explaining her side and explaining, you know, the night of what happened, you know, being emotional. And then you had Brett Kavanaugh, who's, really more look this is completely false i can tell you what happened in the meet while but also before i do that shame on you guys for completely going after me and blowing this way out of proportion and essentially not using due process and it was it was it was kind of 
I was not expecting that out of Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. I wasn't expecting was he, was, he came out hot. And I was just like, whoo, here we go. Let's do this. <laughs> you kind of have to, man. You're on the defensive. But I was actually, I was happy that he did that. And uh, afterwards, I'm happy that the hearing took place. I thought it was obviously very, very necessary. But in the end of the day, I kind of go back to what I said earlier. If you've already made up your mind, you've already made up your mind. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, as a lit. And I think that's the case for a lot of these politicians that are on the board right now. They've made up their mind. But how are we going to And have, you saw that in the questioning. How are we going to have juries, you know, and and knowing the exposure to the internet and all sorts of media nowadays, how are you supposed to expect juries to be unbiased, you know, whenever there's all this stuff floating yeah, around? It's hard to not. Even though this it. isn't yeah. a criminal trial, uh, if you do take it to a criminal trial, how, how do you expect these guys to just lock themselves in a room and look at evidence, which in this case there's no evidence, it's just testimony you know and then, did you hear about the two anonymous people the two anonymous men that uh did an interview and said that they were the ones that actually assaulted uh christine blasey ford now see but that's just, anonymous it's you anonymous and that's anonymous. why i'm thinking yeah. it's really it doesn't seem like it's blowing up and gaining a lot of traction because yes they did remain anonymous but there were two men who apparently both i don't know if and i would like to go back and revisit this i don't know if they were like two men who interviewed together or if they were two separate men who just, on separate occasions, anonymously interviewed and said, "Oh yeah, I was the one that did it." It made it come. It came off as these were two guys together who did the interview together and said, "Both of us did this." Yeah. Yeah. Now, I how credible is it? You know, it's it, that's, you can't really take that either. To me, it's not very credible, especially when you have uh, when Ford. She has a PhD. She's a professor. You know, she. If you were listening to her. Talk about you know something medical, whatever she teaches. You know you you take her as a credible source. She seems like she has her wits about her. You know it's hard to say that she's not a credible source. Right. But the thing is, it's thirty years ago, and everyone was drunk apparently, in in this five person party. You know, and that's that has a lot to do with it. I feel like. Also, I feel like nobody really wins in this situation. Like I, That's kind of how I it feels. I think the only win that might happen is he doesn't get confirmed, and Democrat Democrats get the opportunity to get their own candidate. That Trump is going to have to appoint someone that's more favorable to them. But I think Dr. Ford doesn't really win anything from this because her life was probably a whole lot better before all this started. This doesn't, yeah, literally. And, and you know what? Before the, um, I, this actually really caught my attention, you know, because yeah. you know, we carried the coverage live on our radio station, and I made sure I heard the opening statement from the chair of the Judicial Committee, and mm-hmm. he said, first off, we want to acknowledge that both people have gone through a lot of hell. Right. Both people have received death threats. Both mm-hmm. people have had their lives completely turned upside down, basically. Their families have, both of these people's families have suffered because of this, uh, because of what's going on, and I want to say that, honestly, America as a whole needs to really take a look at what is that what exactly has happened and basically said america shame honestly shame on you like uh, shame on america also for how you have been handling this situation and so his message was now we're going to do our job and try and do the uh due process and hear out both sides and now we're and then we're going to come to a decision i found it odd that he said that considering that there are definitely people that are that are on that same board who have not been shy about their feelings towards the president, their feelings towards Brett Kavanaugh, their feelings of towards, you know, Ford. 
it's, 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 I found it odd that the, the chairman of the board would make a comment like that when even members of his own board essentially came down to conclusions. Mm-hmm. And those feelings are based on policies that they're not in favor yeah. of, right. you know? And that's kind of the thing. With it's hard to even come now. to a conclusion in such a short period of time. Right. Yeah. It's like if the testimonies are today, they're voting in what, two days? Mm-hmm. There's little to no time to actually figure out what actually happened. So if he is confirmed and then down the road you figure out, yeah, it did actually happen, then that's that's a lose-lose situation. And then also yep. you have maybe he doesn't get confirmed and then you investigate and you find that it didn't actually happen. So then you lose there again. My, my immediate thought is, you know, I don't, want to not believe Ford. Yeah. My immediate reaction is, you know, I don't think she's going to just come out and knowingly lie and willing because once it's once if once it's found out that you lied, you're yeah. imagine what you're going to face after that. And she's under oath, right? Yeah, and you're under yeah. oath, so yeah. perjury for perjury. one. So yeah. I doubt she's willing to go through all of this just, you know, just to throw someone under. Uh, is she a pawn of the Democrats? A lot of people are saying that she's just a pawn of the Democrats. A part of me can't—I I can't help but feel like this is a very politically motivated issue right now. It might—it could and still I be true, that. and she could still be yeah. being used. Yeah, like, and yeah. I hate that a, a, a serious subject like a sexual assault becomes political, right. rather than can we just focus on the issue that someone pro- might have been assaulted? But I can't help but feel like this is all more a political issue now. We're going to have to get used to it. I don't like that. Vacuums don't exist. We live in a world of maximum exposure. There's there's no going back is basically what I'm saying. I I don't really doubt that she was assaulted. I think that I haven't – me personally, I didn't – and, of course, like I said, I didn't get to see her testimony. I don't doubt that she was assaulted. I just don't know that it was Kavanaugh. Yeah. 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 And he's – And that's the important He's saying that he wasn't even there, I believe. Yeah, Yeah. and he's also saying that he never had – now, granted, this was an attempted. What, what I understand, this is an attempted rape. Now, he didn't actually rape her, but still, a serious. That's a serious allegation, right, right. there. Still, it's a very serious allegation. But he did say that throughout high school and college, he was a virgin. Never, mm. he didn't have sex until some point after college. Whether some, he waited till marriage or he had sex, but at some point after college. Some apparently. repressed sexual feelings, you know. Maybe he was just like trying to figure out how to do it, you know. No comment. All right, fine. <laughs> we, we won't go there. I didn't that's know where fine. to go with it. All right, I didn't know what to say. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. You just get drunk, and he's like, "I'm a virgin. I don't know what to do. Can you show me?" And then stuff should probably just happen from there. We'll see oh, he could just admit to it. It's a. You don't want to speculate on this? It's fine. We I don't can, see. Can, I, <laughs> I just. I, I'm trying not. I'm. Try, I, I. I don't really want to give an opinion though of what happened that night at the party. No one. You know? That's Nobody it's hard really to give. It's hard yeah. to give an opinion of what I think happened. At well, the party it, that it's night. gonna be hard to even prove there was a party. That's the thing. Well, it's, that's actually they called it a gat like a, a get together. Yeah. It wasn't. It wasn't a party. Like they. I think they both said that this wasn't a party well, necessarily. Let me rephrase that. It was friends getting together. Let me rephrase that. It's gonna be hard to prove that he was there. If if she doesn't have more than if if because he's already had a like sixty five people overnight, and, you know, uh, write to his character say he's a yeah. good, he's a good guy and stuff like this sixty five women, mind you, from his high school, and and uh, he's saying he wasn't at the party. It's thirty years ago. What sort of evidence oh. would come up that would put him there that night? There's no cell phones. No. They weren't recording telephone calls. Mm-hmm. Probably not. Uh, you know, there's going to be very little. Apparently, you can put him there. He did. He did hand there. over like four months of a calendar 
yeah. from 1982 that listed like because he used his yeah he used his calendar you know to like write down what he's doing uh-huh. during the like at these certain times and even at some point in the calendar it says grounded can't do anything stuff like that grounded stay in but would you list a party yeah he said probably he has other parties that are listed on there he doesn't have this one yeah like he did list oh. he but, did list events on there like parties i would say to that though that he said that sometimes he wrote it before, sometimes he wrote it after. So maybe this is one of those times where he wrote it after. He was like, better not for the future of my political yeah, career. Yeah, he's like, let me not write this one down because I did something I wasn't supposed to there. Yeah. You know, there's so many yeah. questions. Especially but, in high school where you can assume he's living with his parents. But in a case where you're dealing with very little evidence, that could be uh, something that convinces, not jurors, but I guess, you know, members. whoever. You know? All right, let's let's move on from that because I, I feel like we'll figure out what's going on with that in the upcoming days. Uh, I have been saying the word due process a lot process. lately, like just like this whole week. Just add eroded to it. Eroded, that's just, that's really erosion all I'm saying. Of due process. process. We'll see. Yep. Okay. Um. So, what do you think about Elon Musk uh, about to send this dude to the moon? Um. It's like the starting the moon tourist. What do you think about Elon Musk in general? He's like the Nikola Tesla of our time. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of people who call him Nikola Tesla. They call him, you know, Tony Stark, Steve Jobs. Is he an know, alien? Child. Right. An alien. All types of things. For a long time, I've really like looked up to him as like a role model from afar about how to do this whole be in the tech world, but also use it to advance, you know, large scale problems. Because I feel like that's what he does. He uses his physics background. To help solve large-scale problems that's what I want to do but as of recently it's starting to show like he might be getting like too far ahead of himself even right now I just got a notification like before I walked in he's being investigated by the SEC for uh, fraudulent claims because he tweets a lot I saw that what so yeah. what what was he claiming so Tesla is being sh- uh, there's a lot of short selling on Tesla right now okay which is making the stock go down a lot right so he's been known historically to but say he wants things. to keep it private he wants to he, yeah, he, he wanted, wanted to take it private yeah and he tweeted about it which is illegal he tweeted about it and said he had secured funding to take tesla private he said he got it from the saudis and that aramco was going to go public and they were going to use that money to diversify their economy away from oil right um but you can't do that because when he said that the stock prices went up to the number that he said he wanted to take it private at which is manipulating the markets yeah but at the same time it's kind of like you're gonna take our smartest guy and put him in jail are you really gonna do that possibly rules are rules right due process hell no (laughs) hell no we elon musk gets a free pass unless he rapes or murders somebody that's what i'm saying elon musk he's building he's he's building underground damn hyperloops yeah he he's uh making electric cars he said he could at a press conference in China he was saying China has a lot of uh, untapped space you guys are just bunched up in these cities if we could just utilize that your whole country could be running on electricity hmm. and this this lady was like the whole country he was like yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> she's like I'm not gonna call him on his bullshit because he's right. Elon Musk <laughs> And then I think that's what's kind of starting to get him in trouble. Is that I think no he's a badass too. No I think one calls he's a him rebel. out on things, and after a while, people are sort of saying like, "Hey, like you, like you can't saying- sell flamethrowers." <laughs> <laughs> they sold out fast. They sold yeah, out. They sold out pretty really fast. fast. He's like, it's not like, a flamethrower within hours. <laughs> it's not a flamethrower. <laughs> Wait, did they sell out within minutes? Like the flamethrower? Yeah, they sold out the, really the, fast. They sold out 
the day of, yeah. I think within minutes was how long it took for those flamethrowers to go. That's a uh, because he only the, sold a certain, a very small. Yeah, amount. that's what he does with the Boring Company. He like the last thing he sold was a hat, and they had limited hats. Mm-hmm. And but it's like I would have been looking at that at first if you like started with a flamethrower or like started with something else, but he started with a hat. Yeah, it's like if you, it's like it's. It's like, what if you got that shit for Trendy Butler, you know? It's like, oh, cool, I got a hat this month. And next month, you're like, oh, flamethrower. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I wonder Flame what's next. Thrower. Yeah, He's going to be like, keychain. Exactly. <laughs> you get a keychain next. <laughs> you get a Tesla keychain. It's solar-powered. <laughs> solar-powered flamethrower. Yeah. See him, uh, see him on um, Joe Rogan's podcast. Oh yeah, and I saw him smoking weed. Joe smoking peer weed. pressure. He took a hit of spliff. Which yeah. people like blew up. Certain people, not like everyone. Like some people blew up about it. It's like, why not let him smoke weed? He probably has some crazy ass ideas. Wait, haven't met? Haven't you met Snoop Dogg? Yeah, <laughs> and your yeah. lord. Yeah, well, no, but imagine like the smartest dude we got just sitting him down and being like, "Smoke all this," <laughs> what? And then tell us what you what you're thinking of. He'd be like, I think there's too many people around. Um, my anxiety's getting really bad right now. Yeah. And then he'd come up with some catapult to Mars. He'd be like, we've been doing it wrong. Now, I will say about <laughs> SpaceX, about SpaceX, I, 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 I like it. I like that. I, I'm a big fan of like aeronautical space stuff, but mm-hmm. I don't know how badly I'd want to get on that ship right now. I think I'd want, I'd need years of like, proven space travel that like can that shows that it's safe for through spacex like nasa right. and all that shit that's going yeah. like that they do right i think they've gained my trust but that guy the billionaire that's going to go around the moon and is apparently bringing like six artists with him so they could have like inspiration for their work i don't know how badly i want to go on that trip uh, right now i mean you know that press conference is coming maybe the first one is a success but eventually you run into like tragedy where yeah. like oh no and you know they're gonna have to bring him up to a panel they're gonna be like you know what are you gonna do to make this better and be like stuff happens you know you're in the vacuum of space (laughs) not a high percentage of survival once uh once shit hits the fan maybe like though are you gonna keep doing it be like yeah yeah (laughs) i mean nasa uses spacex to do their stuff now yeah so, I mean, yeah. NASA trusts them, honestly. Why not? That's, that's a good example of how private industry is just like, step aside. Yeah. I was, but a trip like this, though, I want to see I want to see this billionaire go around the moon. First off, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to afford a trip like that. Because I think you can, it's one of those things where they want to make it commercialized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, just like, hey, you know, drop a couple million, let's go to the moon. Maybe not uh-huh. in our lifetime, but no, eventually. I don't think it's that far away. You don't think it's that far away? I think we live to, what, 80 average lifespan? I mean, That's depends on depends now. on the advancements with like AI and stuff like that. Like, what if you can download your consciousness into, into like a robot or another? Sh- like, if you've ever seen Altered Carbon, on Netflix, people people have these stacks in the back of their neck, and uh, basically it has your consciousness in it. And when your body dies, they just take your stack out and put it into a new one if you can afford it. Mm. Yeah, hmm. it's kind of one of those deals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> some interesting opinions on artificial intelligence. Yeah, what's and on the JR on the JRE podcast, Elon was he was scaring the shit out of me. Honestly, yeah, he was like I tried to tell them that no, AI see, was moving too fast. That's one area where I disagree with him a lot. 
What you might say, who are you? This group, like you just like, like you just want to keep it going. The momentum that the technology is, you know, heading towards. Or me, yeah. yeah I don't think that artificial intelligence one is anywhere near the the levels of it. Of you know, going down the street and killing people. I think that was his quote that we need to create legislation to regulate it before AI starts going down the street and killing people. I don't think he said going down the street and killing people, but he did he say they needed to Not in the Joe Rogan it. podcast, but like a year or two oh, ago, okay, he, okay. he created this whole firestorm about AI. Huh. Now that we need to start regulating it. And my first question is, or statement, is that I think the worst thing to do is try to get the government to figure it out. If you saw, they, didn't know, they don't even know how Facebook runs. Right. How are they going to start legislating that, regulations about watching that thing? I was I was getting pissed off because I was like, "You're yeah. not even asking them the pertinent questions yeah. right now." I mean, they don't understand it. Uh-uh. They don't understand that it runs on ads. And that's it, how they make money. Yeah, they had to they had to ask that, and, not, yeah. and like we could have told you that just mm-hmm. sitting here, and we're nobodies. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like why are you in the government anymore? Right. You know, you're eighty. Leave. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Please go away. <laughs> Yeah, because AI is actually my, my my focus in my computer science program. And I know a lot of people who who uh, are very big in it. Actually, the guy who wrote, like, the primer on AI, he's a director of research at Google. I know him personally. And that's just something that I don't, I don't think is really an issue. And the people who are actually leading researchers in this don't see it as an issue at all. I think it would only become an issue whenever um – like the government or maybe a huge company would use information gathered by AI mm-hmm. in a malicious way or a way to um, just like hurt hurt the citizens in some way. Like like uh, how Facebook was selling all their information to, yeah, to Cambridge, Analytica. Cam- Cambridge Analytica. Like something like that where AI is just like gathering it all you know gathering all your information yeah. it, it, and, and on one hand it makes it a lot more convenient because i would rather see ads for whatever i'm searching for mm-hmm. um whenever i'm not searching than just ads i'm like why am i seeing this yeah y'all ever, y'all ever watch the show uh, my God, american horror story this i think it's the newest yeah one, i haven't Apocalypse. seen the new, i haven't seen the newest one so like in part of it like one of the characters who you know is, it looks completely like a human you would believe that she's a human the whole time knowing her come to find out in one of the episodes she's actually a robot but she it, she displays emotion and mm-hmm. you know she even said you know there was one person you know and as i got to know him i began to feel emotion uh getting to know him more and then when uh the day that you know him and i you know no longer saw each other i cried and i yeah. began i felt the human is that something that we could experience out of artificial intelligence is also emotion let alone just intelligence um, so my take on artificial intelligence is less of trying to create intelligence that's like humans. I don't think that we need to figure out a way to create human intelligence. It's AI that can innovate itself, right? Like it just becomes more and more innovative and it just finds, it just solves right. problems it like solves massively problems. quicker than so humans. So the place where I work, um, where I used to do research, we focus more on, it's called a cognitive orthosis, which is like an eyeglass. So... A prosthetic is something that takes the place of like your leg okay but an orthotic would be like eyeglasses they amplify your eyes they make you see better but they they're not eyes obviously right so artificial intelligence should be it's not going to be a brain but it should amplify your brain the okay. way a calculator does so you can use that artificial intelligence to process um, huge amounts of data that would normally take 
you know, a human maybe like a year to do, it can do it in like 10 minutes. Yeah. That's why I, I believe artificial intelligence should be used. And it's just like, you know, what nuclear power or nuclear explosion. You could use it to make nuclear weapons or you could also use it to for a nuclear plant. It's not nuclear science itself that's evil. It's how you use it. Right. So if you decide to use artificial intelligence to weaponize things, then the punishment that you get from that, that's really up to the society. The same pun- the same issues that we have with nuclear weapons, you know, during the Cold War. Yep, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, like you were saying, uh, once the government gets a hold of it, uh, like anything, they usually, yeah, they in usually my opinion, they usually, you know. But, you know, we have weaponized, we have nuclear weapons as well, but we've only used them once. Right. So it's not a danger to have it. It's how you use it. Right. Yeah. And... That's the thing. Uh, but now we're trying so hard to get rid of nuclear weapons. So how hard would it be to get rid of like a malicious AI that was put out? Mm. But we don't even know. Yeah, we, don't we, don't, even know. we don't even know I like the magnitude of what it would be. Yeah. That's the thing. But back I'll, to I'll like... I also say that like most of the fears people have about AI come from like movies and television shows. Right. Where the whole purpose, like you have a human, like take Terminator, like you have humans and you have computers. Skynet. Like, of course, the artificial intelligence has to be evil. You can't make the human evil and AI good. So it just creates like this feeling that AI is always going to be evil, which that's not necessarily the case. Yeah, I don't feel like that's the case either. I feel like it would uh, help us uh, in Mm -hmm. so many ways. And to me, you know, we've always talked about robots not having emotion like that's how we feel robots are they don't have emotions but then people are like but what if we program to them to have emotions and stuff like that like you were talking about and that's one thing i could see happening uh like just programmed emotions and then we're gonna be like we're gonna be old and then we're gonna be walking down the street and this guy's gonna be holding hands with this robot and be like this is britney (laughs) (laughs) and then She's going to be like, I am Brittany. <laughs> Something. <laughs> yeah. And she's going to have, like, titties that hydrate you with water and, and stuff. Porch, like a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah. And would you like would you like a sip? No? Yeah, that's fine. We had it there. Uh, Just to tease you. Appreciate it. The old joke. The, uh, the Conor McGregor proper 12. <laughs> I heard it tastes like shit. <laughs> yeah. Conor McGregor making his own alcoholic beverage. It doesn't sound good at all. It'll sell, Sounds interesting. It's gonna sell. sell. I, I'd drink I mean, it. I'd probably try it just for fun. What if everyone just, like, everyone who drinks it just gets in fights? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They just develop an Irish accent. Motherfucker. Have you seen the Family Guy episode where, um, where they showed, uh, they they were like talking and it's like, yeah, it's like Ireland, Ireland before they discovered alcohol, and they were all like. And their science, like their white coats and shit, and they're all like, here you go, you know, like, hmm. is this and that. Oh, I developed this new beverage. Would you like to try it out? And it flashes forward, and everyone's just like fighting and shit's on fire. <laughs> yeah, it's like, they're like, hmm, whiskey, and he yeah. tastes it, and they all just start breaking out into a fight. And he's like, <laughs> uh, yeah, that shit's funny. Um, yeah. Oh, you wanted to talk about VR. Do you know, virtual, do you know yeah, virtual about VR? reality. Mm-hmm. You ever like, played could... around with uh, VR? I mean, well, so uh, I think it was July fourth. I was uh, over at Sertoma, over at Seville Square, yeah. and the U.S. Army was there, and they had VR simulators. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I had never done VR at this point. I've always seen yeah. it, like you know, like around Best Buy or other you know other places that ha- are displaying VR, but I've never actually played with it. 
And I gotta say, man, that stuff is trippy. Like I yeah. could see where there are some people out there that kind of live an alternate life through VR because mm-hmm. you know it's you put it's it around, yeah. you look up, you look down, side to side, and everything just kind of seems real around you, but it's not. Yeah. And so uh, I just kinda like if you've played with it, like kind of what's your take on that? And you know, like I, I thought it was really cool, but I thought I shouldn't play with this a lot. Yeah. Um. I mean, like, it goes back to, like, the AI thing. It's all about how you use the technology. The technology can be very helpful. Um, I know where uh, some of the work I was doing, we were using VR for the robotics program. So you can control the, the uh, robot through, like, virtual reality. You can see what the robot sees through its own camera, and that actually helps you kind of uh, manage the robot better. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also seen that, you know, my, my siblings are, are medical professionals, how that's going to be beneficial to the medical profession. So rather than practicing like maybe on um, cadavers or you know having intern not intern residents making mistakes on real patients, they can practice in virtual reality. There's so many applications that be, can be good. But then there's also the flip side of having people who are like, you know what, VR is a whole lot better than my real life, so I'm just going to stay here. Because that's right. obviously a problem. You're going to have a yeah. whole new level of porn addiction. <laughs> Dude, I will say, For real. But you know why? <laughs> I'm saying. You know why the U.S. Army had these simulators there? Because they they said honestly, it's really simple. It's cheaper. Mm-hmm. It's 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 so cheap it's really and cheap. easy, and also it's realistic when you put on a VR. And then let's put somebody in a battlefield simulation, right? Where everything around you, you know, it seems real. It seems like it's real, but it's not. But you're gaining you're gaining some valuable knowledge. It kind of you're, you're gaining you know a simulated war-like experience yeah and you're having to react like you'd react in war and it's cheaper yeah it's honestly way cheaper yep mm-hmm. i do f- they said that's why they wanted to do this stuff i do feel like they'd have to do something about the uh the motion sickness though because a lot of people do have issues with yeah. motion sickness whenever they put on goggles like like so i i didn't think i had motion sickness uh, sickness issues but uh last time i tried to do like i did, I, I did yeah. the right in the mall and then i, I was mm-hmm. like I don't, i'm about to throw up i got right motion now. sickness when yeah. i did it and i still haven't really pulled it i got since. motion sickness uh, at that new avatar ride at disney oh yeah yeah i haven't been there yet it was fun was it, it was fun i was like i'll throw up right here it's so fun <laughs> i'd be like oh <laughs> yeah this is a great time and it'd be blue too. It'd be like Avatar blue. <laughs> Avatar, blue. <laughs> Avatar puke. I didn't get see. I, I get motion sickness. So like if I'm doing a like a carnival ride that goes in circles, mm-hmm. I I will get motion sickness on those rides. I don't get motion sickness um, for like I the, was the fly- Gravitron. I was flying into Knoxville a couple weeks ago and going into Atlanta and Knoxville turbulence like going in, and oh I, I swear like when we arrived in Knoxville, we I swear to God we landed like you know how like normally you. You know, land like this. We landed like this. We're like, oh, really? seriously, like, like drifting, <laughs> drifting into the landing strip. <laughs> oh shit! Literally, I'm yeah. just like, oh my god. The pilot's like, hold on to your seats. <laughs> that happened to me. Try not to shit I flew your pants. In China, like I was so scared. Like it was raining at Boston Airport that night. Actually, my you flew into flight. Boston. Yeah. Good thing you didn't fly into Chicago. I'll tell you that story after. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Like we flew in. It was raining really bad, and like luckily we were able to land, but. Like the the plane literally like corkscrewed because he hit and then the plane like bounced. It felt like it bounced at least. Ooh. That's how hard we hit. And then he turned. He started turning because he was coming in too hot uh-huh. to like go into the uh, the terminal, I guess. And, like the whole plane just like corkscrewed. 
and everyone like not flight, all the way but like yeah mm-hmm. like kind of like tip you know like chinese people they're not like in the south where they yeah. like look at each other and say hey yeah and that moment like the people i was sitting next to like i hadn't talked to them the whole flight we just like kind of looked at each other like, did we just not <laughs> <laughs> it's like am i in an episode of lost right now let's right? go <laughs> it's so yeah, i know that was one of the more surreal moments i've had in an airplane because for, mo- for the most part like yeah you experience turbulence but not knock on woods knock on some serious wood i've right. never had a crazy like traumatic experience in an yeah. airplane mm-hmm. and again i probably shouldn't have even said that now but <laughs> i used to be terrified like, of flying in airplanes yeah, I, me too, I still never had like a bad like bad a bad turbulence yeah, experience i know god that would suck yeah um don't ever fly into chicago Really? Yeah, man. We Ed and I Which airport you go into first? The uh, the bad one. The Midway or O'Hare? O'Hare. O'Hare? Okay. Yeah. I've done both. Yeah. Midway has been better. We we get there and um we should have scheduled our flights more time apart, but leaving China, uh we were delayed and so you would think getting there they would like hold up for the people, mm-hmm. like they know they have like five or six people on a flight yeah you know coming from china they'd be like hold up uh no they sent us <laughs> to the longest motherfucking tsa line i've ever been in my life and uh we were sitting in that line and then we we're like we can't go in oh, to those lines they're like no you gotta stay in this line i was like my flight is leaving in like 20 minutes <laughs> long story short didn't get to the flight and they they were like we closed the door like 20 minutes ago i was like you didn't even wait on us like you know like six people just came from china right (laughs) there might be a few delays it's like no this one guy was getting mad so we had to leave like shut up get out of here (laughs) so we had to stay in chicago for another night and you know you just want to get home yeah after being gone for so long and like i stayed in boston airport and all the flights got canceled so there were no hotel rooms nothing just because of the weather yeah because the Mm -hmm. weather everything was shut down like so you had to stay another night too yeah i stayed in the airport because i couldn't find a place to stay and there were like rats everywhere uh yes like i was trying to fall asleep because i was exhausted those are city rats too they'll look at you and go like you got some lunch Like, like I was asleep, and then I started hearing like this little nibbling sound. I was like, "What is that?" So just three huge rats just like coming towards me. He's just like, <laughs> I was like, "Yo, yo, yo, chill out, chill You're out." Like, sleep, get him, get him, get him. <laughs> oh, that's that's good, that's good. Well, all right, man. We're at an hour. Is there anything you wanna you wanna plug before before we let you go? No, I mean, I think we talked about inertia pretty well at the beginning. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty good. You got anything? Nah, man. Honestly, I, I I love what it is you guys are doing, and this is something that is going to be really beneficial to kids who, honestly, they can be they can be more su- successful in school. And I think at times, sometimes if you're not good at it right away, you're just led to believe that you're dumb yeah. or that you're just simply not good at a certain subject. But I think a program like you will really give kids more opportunities and really motivate kids to want to be more engaged in a subject that they at one point weren't very engaged with. Mm-hmm. So. I love what it is that you guys are doing, and keep it going with it. Appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah. I do hope you guys reach out to schools like Warrington and the, the schools out there that are struggling, and I really hope that you guys can make a, a pretty big impact. And I'm sure this is, uh, y- you know, one venture on the road to many ventures. Uh, I feel like you got an entrepreneurial spirit, and you got many ideas yeah. going up. Let I me talk. Stuff for very yeah. long. Yeah, let me talk to you about my uh, faucet idea later. <laughs> 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 it's those ideas that make like. The, not the most money, but it's like the dude that made Enough hillbilly teeth. He was like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna make some fake hillbilly teeth and sell them <laughs> bubble gum machines." 
You're like, you're retarded, dude. Right. <laughs> nope. I had hillbilly tea, too. I know. Me, too. That's what I'm saying. It's like a quarter. It's like, if I make a quarter for everybody, every little kid, I'm pretty rich. And I just got a plastic factory. <laughs> and that's it. All right, man. Uh, thank you for coming. Appreciate it. We can do this anytime, too. We're, we always uh, are looking for guests. Yeah. So, no yeah. Doubt. Yeah. We're trying to do a college football or just football in general podcast. Mm-hmm. So if you want to come on, we can have a Tom Brady debate. There's no debate to have. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we can do it then. (laughs) We can do it then. I mean, the man's got, the man's got everything you would need, but I still don't feel like he's the best. Well, who's better? That's the question. That's the question. That's the question. Well, if if you you tell me someone better, then I'm like, okay. Like, what if Drew Brees played for the Patriots? But he doesn't. But he okay, okay. I I I would say I think Tom Brady overall. You can't argue with the record. You put someone else in at quarterback, he's he's not getting five rings. I think he would. I think Brady though is extremely fortunate to be put in the system that definitely best worked for him. But think about all the players that have come and gone since Brady f- took his first snap as a Patriot. A lot of players have come and gone. A lot of new role players have come on. But in the end of the day, with Brady at quarterback and Belichick as the head coach, those rings still came. I'm just saying, the only time he throws a deep ball is to that. Damn ogre! You don't fucking Gronkowski. Well, why do you need to throw deep ball in order I mean, to be hasn't, successful? Let's, let's not like it's like a five-yard pass, five-yard pass, though. and it's working. Yeah, what, it's fine. what are we infixiated with the idea that we have to go uh, deep? It's every like how time are you going to stop a slant route with a wide receiver who's who's NFL caliber? It's like you're not going to stop a slant route. But you know what? Yeah. Even if Gronkowski wasn't there, which I would say that Gronkowski, yes, is a huge role player in, in their success. They don't need Gronkowski to be successful. Well, before Gronk, so. they had Hernandez, but you know, no, I, I, and I, and I don't even want to say R.I.P. <laughs> yeah, but I will yeah. say go Gators. You know, no, we won't even get in there, Hernandez. Yeah, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of quarterbacks out there. I think are incredible quarterbacks, like Aaron Rodgers is incredible. I think Drew Brees is one of the most underrated quarterbacks. He hasn't really gotten like the recognition for how good he actually is because he's on the Aints, man. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. on the Saints, so. Brady's just it's been a, a mix of things it's not purely because of his talent that he's reached the heights he has it's just that his accolades are the best yeah I also do feel like a lot of people just want to hate him <laughs> well, yeah <laughs> so therefore yeah. they say no he's not the best yeah yeah I want to hate him yeah you can't you can't it's hard but see I'm someone you could convince I'm someone you can I, we need to get someone on here who is like anti-patriot, like Tom Brady is the worst fucking quarterback. We need someone like that. But it's all right. <clears throat> I'll let you off the hook today. Or really, I'm the one getting off the hook right now. All right. It was good talking to you. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, like and share. Join the Patreon page. It's higher frequency everywhere. Um, on the Twitter page, it's HF Podcast. Yeah, it's at HF Podcast. Hell yeah. We're, we're going to start getting our, our social media up and running. We wanted to get about 10 episodes under our belt before we started marketing this thing. So hopefully we get a lot more consistent with it, and we have a variety of shows coming towards you. Thanks. Peace. Three, two, one.